What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to My Social Life. This is the podcast where you can hear the real stories behind the people on social media. I'm your host, Jacob Kelly. And before we get into today's conversation with Randy Rose, there's a couple things that we need to go over first. Number one, if you enjoyed today's podcast, please consider leaving a rating and a review. The more positive ratings and reviews you get, the more it helps new people find the show, and it really helps to grow the community that we're developing here. And if you're one of those people that have recently found the podcast, welcome. I'm very excited to have you here. Make sure you subscribe and stay tuned for future episodes. I put out brand new interviews every single Monday and brand new takeaways episodes every single Thursday. And last but not least, if you enjoyed today's podcast, please consider sharing it to your Instagram story. Tag myself at the Jacob Kelly and Randy at, at Randy Rose. And I'll feature you on my account and send you a message as well. And now without further ado, let's get to my conversation with Randy Rose. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to My Social Life. This is the podcast where you can hear the real stories behind the people on social media. I'm your host, Jacob Kelly, and today we're joined by Randy Ose, aka Randy Rose, and he's the founder of Rose Management, which is best described as player management and sports marketing put together, and he's worked with athletes such as Giannis Antetokounmpo, Aaron Gordon, CJ McCollum, Andrew Wiggins, Kemba Walker, and many more. He's also the founder of Atlas 365, the Athlete Tech Summit, and numerous non-for-profit ventures. I'm very excited to have him here on the podcast today. Randy, welcome to the show. Hey, man! Thanks for having me. That was a that was a great intro. <laughs> Thank you, man. I'm excited to have you here. Where I want to start, I want to go all the way back to the beginning. So I know you were born in Montreal, but you grew up in Scarborough. So talk to me about your childhood a little bit growing up. Were you always into sports? Were you always entrepreneurial? What were you like as a kid? Wow. Uh, yeah. No. Um, you know, both of my parents were uh, immigrants to Canada. Um, moved to Scarborough when I was about two or three. Um, and I was always, <clears throat> I was always into having fun. That was, that was my first thing. Um, that grew into, um, a love for running and then that grew into a love for basketball. Um, crazy that the, you know, the Michael Jordan last dance documentary is, is out now. I remember when they, the, his last game, when they played the jazz and I remember being sick. So, so, so sick. Couldn't call, couldn't walk couldn't talk but I was watching MJ and um I remember after that I I went into my backyard on my little tykes net and tried to practice a couple of jumpers but I was so tired that I went back to bed so I've always had a a, a love for um people and you know what sports did was bring people together and being competitive and so on and so forth and um yeah a lot of my childhood was was spent in Scarborough and one thing that I that I saw in my neighborhood, I look back now, where I grew up was a really, really rough neighborhood. But when you live in those places, you, you don't really notice it. Um, you know, there's a lot of a lot of crime and, and drugs and things of that nature. But I never saw it because I was I saw it, but I it, it like it was just something that was happening. I, I didn't see it and like get scared or be worried. Um, I would go to the basketball court, come home. That was it. Go to the basketball court, come home. So uh, basketball kind of kept me on a, on a straight angle when there's a lot of things happening around me that could have swayed me to go another way and, you know, what I wanted to do with my life. So I'm definitely thankful for, for what basketball uh, did for me and is continuing to do for me. Absolutely. And you, you were a talented basketball player growing up for sure. And correct me if I'm wrong, but you played with guys like Corey Joseph and Tristan Thompson growing up, right? And at the point when you were playing with them, you were the better player, right? Ah uh, no, I wasn't better. They were better. <laughs> I was I was older. Um, Tristan Tristan and Corey are both a year younger than me. I played with with Tristan 
um, when he played with us on CIA Bounce. We played against Corey um, as they were growing up, and they were just they were just way ahead of their time. So you know, to see them, you know, go on to St. Benedict's and then Finley and off to Texas together and then off to the NBA was 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 great. So um, I could I could honestly say I was part of their journey. You know, they've they've blocked my shots or have crossed me before to, to kind of help them get where they are. And uh, we're still, we're all still pretty, you know, good friends. And we chat here and there when they, when they play in Toronto, I'll most likely see them or I'll see them on the road. And uh, yeah, we're, we're, we're still around. And um, one thing that, you know, um, you know, we, we saw was Tristan and Corey and Andrew Nicholson and Kelly Olenek and a lot of these guys, they were essentially like the next wave, you know, um when when I grew up they I was part of that wave I just wasn't an NBA talent so getting to see those guys go through their processes and getting to the NBA was was very humbling and it, it made it feel like I made it to the NBA you know and then Anthony Anthony Bennett went to the NBA then Andrew Wiggins went to the NBA then Tyler Ennis then Dylan Brooks and Jamal Murray and then it was like holy smokes like <laughs> this is, I've never seen anything like it so um yeah, no, the game has, has brought me a lot. Like I've shared, it's, it's brought me a lot of relationships, a lot of experiences. Because of basketball, I've seen different parts of the world. Um, you know, it's, it's gotten me in shape. It's gotten me girls. You know, it's gotten me jobs. It's, it's been a lot for me. So uh, definitely grateful for this great game and um, definitely grateful for the, the lessons that basketball has also taught me as well. And you, I mean, it's not like you just played high school. You also played at the collegiate level as well. And I'm curious as to how you ended up at Brandon University for your first basketball team. I saw somewhere, I might have seen somewhere, correct me if I'm wrong, but you might have ended up moving out west for a little while before college, and that's how you got found by BU. Like, how did you end up a Bobcat? Um, so, Brandon, I was I was still living in Brampton. I was going to high school, and uh, I, I had a tournament somewhere. And uh, someone came up to me after a game. I think I had, like, 25 points after that game. And someone's like, hey, what's your email? And I gave them my email, and they just left. Like, the, that was it. Um, a couple of weeks later, I got an email saying Brandon University is interested in you. Had no idea what Brandon was, where it was, or anything. So I, uh, you know, weekly I played at the YMCA with all the older guys. We had a lot of older guys and guys that came before me. And I asked them. I said, "Hey, you know, I have an I have a, an offer from Brandon University." And they were all like, "Brandon, that's an, a basketball school. You got to go there. If they want you, go." And I was like, "What do you mean?" Like, man, a lot of they they recruit a lot of guys from Toronto and they've won a lot. I'm like like who like Keith Vassell who played with you know Rowan Barrett, a senior, um, and a bunch of other guys. Um, so they they sent they honestly they really just sent the most love. You know they gave me a small scholarship. I think my my total fee for the year was like six thousand and they paid about thirty five hundred of it. Um, super helpful. And I I moved out there. Um, I didn't even go on a visit. I just went and got there. And it's a huge, huge culture shock. Um, it's a different part of Canada. Uh, a lot of land. Like, I've never seen so much land in my life. Um, and, you know, there's a big indigenous community there as well. So for me, it was, it was, it, it caused me to grow up very, very, very quickly. I think um, the experiences I learned there have helped me to, you know, take care of myself and, you know, manage my time. My first year, I, I was in five classes. I played on the basketball team and I worked at the school gym as a receptionist. So 
you know, eight to four, I'm in class, practice five to seven, then I work eight to 12 and, you know, do that four or five times a week. Um, and that just really lit a fire under me. I realized that, you know, I, I had, I had this new motivation, this new energy to just want to do more and more and more. Um, and that, that energy and mindset has, has followed me through. So, you know, when you, when you talked about, uh, when you introduced me at the beginning of the, the podcast and you said I was in so many things, it started back in 08, right? You know, being involved in, in different things and managing my time and being disciplined to make sure things get finished. A lot of that started in, in, in high school, actually, because even before I got to college, I was, you know, I, I, I was in all academic classes. I, I had all, you know, all my classes were fine. I was playing rep basketball and I was working at McDonald's. So my weeks were busy. I, I, as a kid, I didn't really spend a lot of time hanging out or partying or, or doing any of that social stuff. I always had something to do. Whether I was working at Tim Hortons, I worked at Toys R Us for a bit, um, worked at McDonald's for for a while. Um, I was a you know a package shipper, so I, I did any and everything to make sure I had the resources to do the things that I wanted to do. That's interesting. It's always it's always cool for me to hear like the beginnings of people's journeys and where they started. And I specifically asked about Brandon because I grew up from middle school and high school. I lived in Portage La Prairie, Manitoba, which is about just over an hour from Brandon. So I was curious as to how you ended up all the way out there. And I was going to ask too, like growing up, obviously every kid that plays basketball wants to play in the NBA. So was NCAA division one, something you were actively pursuing. And when you ended up taking the CIS route, was it, was it, was the dream still alive to play in the NBA at that point? Um, so yeah, you know, going to the, going to the NBA was definitely a goal. Uh, I had no idea of how to get there. Um, in high school, uh, grade, grade nine, when I moved to Brampton, I was I was a power forward. I was like five eight, nine in grade nine, so I was I was pretty tall. And uh, grade nine, I get to the first day of tryouts, and there's this this kid that's six nine. I'm like, who the hell is this? Ends up being Andrew Nicholson. So <laughs> I played one year with Andrew Nicholson, who eventually turned into a pro. Um, but at the time, even Andrew Andrew was a big baseball kid. He loved baseball. He hated basketball. His parents made him play basketball. And um, I remember Andrew lived by me and he used, his dad used to take us to basketball practice. Rest in peace, his dad. His dad just passed away not too long ago. Um, he used to drive us to practice, uh, 6 a.m. practice. And I remember sitting in the kitchen waiting for Andrew and his dad to come. And I looked at the table and it said Leo Routens and his phone number. And I was like, wow, why? So I asked Andrew, I'm like, why is Leo Routens like, why do you have his number? He's like, oh, he wants me to come play for some team canada something 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 and i was like are you gonna go he's like ah, i'd rather play halo like, wow Andrew. <laughs> you have a chance to go play he's like yeah well we'll see um so seeing that in grade nine and you know come grade 11 i didn't get reached out to by by leo routens so that kind of changed you know my thought process about you know the whole nba and division one and no one came calling or anything like that um so i i, I saw the the CIS, and I started looking into the CIS schools. I was also looking at NAIA and Division II schools as well. I, I had a couple offers there to go to Indiana and Michigan and and Buffalo. And um, yeah, Brandon just had the best offer, best opportunity. Um, so I chose Brandon. And when you went to school, 
you majored in sociology and minored in psychology. I was curious as to why that is, because I feel like most people, especially now looking at the entrepreneurial journey you've had thus far, I would imagine you took something in the lines of business. So why did you take those? You know what? Honestly, I wanted to do business um, getting into college, but then there was this big math component that I hated. Like after grade 10, um, once I realized that in math, all the once in math, once the, the, the numbers started turning into letters and then like A plus B and 2X, and that went over my head. And I was like, oh, I'm done with math. So I took as much math that, as I, I had to just to graduate and qualify. But that was it. I didn't want to see math ever again because I'm like, what do letters have to do with math? Um, so that kind of steered me away from business and taking business courses. Uh, and I wish as a kid, I, I, I fought for school a little bit more. Um, but, uh, you know, sociology, when I was reading up on, you know, the different programs that schools had to offer, I was interested in, in, in you know, the study of people. Right. You know, I, I talked about how basketball brought people together. Sociology is a study of people, um, why people do the things they do. And then psychology came in and added, you know, how the brain works and how people think of things and so on and so forth. So I was like, wow, this is this is an interesting combination. And at the time, to me, those two things could transcend anything. Like I could take this and go work in business. I could take this and, you know go start a company. I could take this and go be a part of something. So for me, I felt like it was just more of a, a general thing that would, would, would give me tools that I can use in many different things. So I didn't want like a, a specific, like I didn't want to major in accounting or major in something specific. I wanted something general that would allow me to keep my options open because I didn't know where my life was going. I didn't know I was, you know, going to, stop playing basketball and, and become, you know, the manager for the number one pick of the 2013 NBA draft. I didn't know that was going to happen. Um, I didn't know that, um, you know, we were going to have this wave of Canadian basketball players. I didn't know any of these things. So for me, being able to uh, be nimble and uh, being able to adapt was really important for me when I was picking my college courses. That's smart though. Cause I feel like a lot of kids get overwhelmed to trying to pick and specify something when they're 18 and trying to, and they view it as, basically making the decision for the rest of their life when they're 18. So it was smart to take a program or a major that allowed that to your point was so broad. And one other thing I wanted to ask you about in terms of college. So you don't even spend your full time at BU, correct me if I'm wrong, but I you played for, you went to three different schools in three years after Brandon, you went to Laurier and then Durham college. And I know for a time you were debating about pursuing the pro basketball route overseas, but I think you broke your foot a couple times in the same season and came to the conclusion that going pro wasn't going to happen for you and i want to know how difficult it was for you to admit that fact that going pro wasn't going to happen you know what i you've done your homework wow um thank you so i went i did one year at uh, at brandon um and then my head coach got fired so i had to transfer and i tried to transfer to university of toronto actually um and live downtown toronto and be a toronto kid and play basketball and uh my 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 math mark was like a 68 and they told me I had to go to University of Toronto Mississauga for class and come downtown for practice and I'm like well if I have a 6 a.m practice and an 8 a.m class how's that going to work so I, I said I'm not doing that um and then it was between Guelph and Laurier and I chose Laurier um one of the uh, Matt and Pat Donnelly some guys that I played with in high school they were going to they were at Laurier so I was like oh man let me just go where you know I know a couple of people and 
and kind of help make this transition smooth. I got to Laurier. Things were going well. Um, didn't play the first couple of games um, because I just I hadn't learned the system yet. Um, and it was taking me a bit longer for, you know, our, our, for me to kind of make sure I was having an impact with the team. So I, I didn't play the first three games. And I think it was our fourth or fifth game. I was coach was like, all right, we're going to Laurentian and Sudbury. Randy, you're on the travel team this week. So you're coming so on and so forth. That week, a good friend of mine, uh, Kofi Mensah, who played with, with Tristan, and I think he would have been an NBA player, uh, he had passed away from uh, uh, a rare form of stomach cancer. Um, so that really shook up my whole world. Um, I went home for a little bit and came back, and I, I couldn't even be in class. I, you know, I'd be crying. I couldn't practice. Like, too many things reminded me of him. Um, so coach was like, you know what, Randy, just take the rest of the year. Take your time. And just really um, just get in shape for next year. And I was like, you know what? That's fair. Like, I'm, I, my mind wasn't in basketball. But coach kept me on, kept my scholarship alive. That year, we went to the Final Four. And um, coach was like, Randy, you know, if you, if, if you would have played, we could be national champions. And I was like, damn. But I used that to drive me that summer. So that summer, instead of coming home, you know, I got a job at McDonald's again. Um, and took a couple of summer classes and, you know, worked out three to four hours a day. Just got into the best shape of my life. Um, went back to Laurier uh, the following year, went into training camp. And this is when I, I began to realize that, you know, politics was a thing. And this is my first time seeing politics um, and being a part of it. Our head coach, he had coached uh, our women's national team many years before. And one of the kids that was coming in, his mom, our coach used to coach his mom. So he told the, the mom, essentially, you know, bring on your son. We have a spot here for him. Now, was the kid better than me? Hell no. Did the kid have potential to be really good? Yeah. But was he better than me at that time? No chance. And then we had another, like, 50-year guard. So someone had to get cut. Um, it ended up being me. And, um, you know, the last day of, of training camp, we have an inner squad game. And they started the kid in front of me. So I took that personal. Um, and I finished that game. I think like they bring out refs and jerseys and score table and everything. And at the end of the game, they let us know our stats. We ended up winning the game. And I think I finished with like 23 points, seven rebounds, seven assists. I'm, you know, feeling great. Coach comes to me, Randy, uh, it's very evident. You've worked very hard and you've gotten into the best shape and you look amazing, but you know, um, you're not the type of point guard. That, that we need this year. I said, what? what? I, was, I was so thrown off by those words. Um, coach walked off and he called everyone that was on the team to the middle and I'm walking away and everyone's asking like, Randy, where are you going? Like coach said this way. And I'm like, yo, I got cut. And everyone, like you could hear like a bunch of chatter, like, huh, huh? Why did this happen? I went home and cried for like four hours because I felt like someone just took this away from me. I took it um, and I, I, I went into, I don't know if it was depression because I've never been depressed before, but that was, that was a, some kind of form of depression. I stopped going to class. I just worked so I could pay my bills and then NBA 2K, like, I think this was like 2K11 came out and they came out with my player. Oh my God. <laughs> <I didn't, laughs> that's all I played. I got it to like season 12 in my player and you know how long my player takes. 
Mm-hmm. So um, did that, and you know, uh, September to November, I, I was, I was, I was just ex- existing, but I wasn't living. And uh, my best friend calls me and he's like, "Why don't you just come to Durham College?" And I was like, "Why? Why would I leave university to come to college?" He's like, "Because you could play right away. You could play with me again." And I was like, "Hmm, interesting." I'm like, "Yo, I'm like 15 pounds uh, overweight." He's like, "Yeah, you have like a month. We have a tournament end of December." If you start your transfer process now, like you could play in that tournament. I was like, all right, cool. So I called my my parents and they're like, hell no, you're not going to college. But I did it anyway. Um, got everything ready, got in shape, got back, went to Durham, went to a couple practices. I, I think a week before the tournament, I uh, first uh, we were we were scrimmaging and I went to to make an in and out move and I, and I made a regular step. I didn't do anything extraordinary. And I felt something pop. Didn't know what it was. I thought it was my ankle. So I tied up my shoes. I tried to continue to play, and I could not put any pressure on it. I sat down. By the time everyone was done playing, I tried to get up. No pressure at all. Went to the hospital. You you fractured your fifth metatarsal, six to eight weeks. I was like, oh, my goodness gracious. I didn't even get to play in the tournament. The coach is pissed. Just life felt like it was upside down. Um came back rehabbed very hard came back in in seven weeks um started practicing again just before the playoffs fractured my foot again so at, at this point this is kind of when i was like you know what basketball i love you you know you've done so much for me but i don't love you like this i don't want to have to take advil just to play i don't want to have to go to the treatment room just to play like i don't want to live in there just to play i wasn't enjoying basketball anymore and, and at that point that's when i kind of realized that you know, I need to find something else that's going to keep me going. Um, so I wanted to coach. And at that time, uh, really close with Tyler Ennis and Anthony Bennett and, and those those kids to me at that time. And I said, I'd love to come back and, and help. So reach out to uh, my old coach, Coach Tony and Coach Mike. And they're like, yeah, of course, we need help. So went back and spent the summer with those kids. Um we played in the Nike EYBL League. We were the only team from Canada there. And we went all the way to the finals. And in the finals, we played against Aaron Gordon, Stanley Johnson, uh, Theo Pinson, um, Jabari Bird. And we lost at the buzzer. Um, but being with those kids that summer really ignited me to, one, want to play again, but also, to see the opportunities within sports. So that after that summer, um, I had another year at Durham. And I was like, you know what? I got to get basketball. So I kind of went on my own like Kobe farewell tour. I said, I'm going to play this year and get it out my system. <laughs> so I, I, I played no injuries, went through every, like I, I played the whole season. I had, I had, I think I had one game where I had 28 points and I had seven threes that game, which was like a, a league record that year. Um, I led the country in three point percentage at like 49%. We went to the playoffs, lost first round and, I was okay. Like I was like, you know what? I'm 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 done and good with basketball and I wanted to pursue working around basketball and that took me to um you know the following year Anthony was going to the NBA and he said, "Hey, I want you to be my manager." I said, "What's the manager?" He was like, "You know, just make sure I can focus on basketball." I said, "Sure." So, off to New York I moved. Um as he got ready for the draft, he got drafted number 1 and you know, the rest is essentially history. 
I do want to talk a little bit more about Anthony and him going first overall, but I do want to talk about one thing before that. And I know in 2012, you spent some time with Tristan Thompson and that's really where you realized you wanted to be involved in the NBA. Mm-hmm. I was curious as to what was it about that time spent with Tristan that made you realize, okay, this is what I want to do and not pursue sociology, what you've been studying. You know, being around Tristan, one thing I saw was he was a very, very, very structured person. Like Tristan woke up every day, very disciplined. He made his bed, you know, millionaire making his own bet. And I remember asking him, like, why are you making your bet? He's like, it teaches me repetition. It teaches me discipline. It, it, it gives, it, it brings me balance. I was like, interesting. Then I saw, you know, he had a, a chef and, you know, when, how he looked at his schedule and how he decided, you know, when am I going to go back to the gym to get extra work? You know, when am I going to hang out with friends? When am I going to have family in town? And just being around him um, really, really gave me um, a lot of information and insight into what basketball from a business perspective looked like. You know, he, I remember at one of his, his Nike, um, he had, a, he had to do a deliverable for Nike and they, Nike sent some new shoes and you're supposed to post and this, that, and just seeing him go through that. I was like, wow, this is exciting. And I saw an opportunity to create and that right there um really ignited a fire under me so that was the december 2012 um and i think a couple weeks later you know anthony had called and said i want you to be my manager um because at this point he you know he was considered like a top 10 pick and i said yeah for sure i spent time and trusted like i have an idea of what this kind of looks like so absolutely so you know I, i finished that 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 basketball season at durham i didn't even finish school there's that basketball season at Durham. Anthony went to March Madness and uh, I think March, April, they got eliminated. And then I, I went to Vegas to help him pack. And then we moved to New York and he got ready for the draft. And, and so ultimately he did end up going first overall, but I'm pretty sure you didn't even know he was going to go first overall. Like, I think you heard no. somewhere before the draft that he's supposed to go like eighth. And then it wasn't until like right before they announced that the cameras pulled up in front of you. And that's when you found out. Yeah, it was, um, I remember sitting there, Jonathan Giovanni or the guy from Draft Express comes over to our, our table and says, hey, you know, Detroit's going to take you at eight. And I'm like, Detroit, Detroit's like a three hour drive from Toronto. Like I can come home whenever I'm like, oh, this is great. Um, so yeah, that, that was, that's what, you know, we were sitting there for like 30 minutes. I'm like, all right, that's going to happen. And David Stern comes, comes on stage and, uh, uh, Chrisa Chin, the hat lady comes and she starts walking towards us as she starts walking towards us i'm like why is she walking here and then anthony's agent phone starts texting and they and he goes they're gonna take anthony they're like yeah detroit and he's like no cleveland's taking him at number one and we're all like what the hell uh the hat lady comes over and she's like yeah here are your hats when they say your name be cool so now the cameras start to come as the camera comes you have to pretend as if you don't know David Stern says, Anthony Bennett. And as he says that, um, yeah, man, it was, I felt like electricity go through my body. Um, and I didn't, I didn't, I was in shock. I was in complete shock. Um, Anthony got up, pumped his fist, and I couldn't even, I couldn't even make sense of what, what the hell was going on at the time because I'm like, this is my friend. I'm on TV. He's on TV. He's going number one. What the hell? 
and then yeah that just that just yeah it was I, I still can't explain what i was feeling i just my body started shaking like my phone was blowing up um i was i was just so happy for him you know um cuz you know I, I always tell anthony one day anthony you got to tell your own story you know you you got to you got to take the time and, and and talk about where you come from how your mom you know came to canada with nothing and and built a life for you and your your brother and sister and she went through her own trials and tribulations and there was times where you, you know she didn't have money to send you to a tournament but she would you know dip into her savings and you know that that story of resilience is is a beautiful story but um yeah that draft experience is man amazing everyone being nice to you you know you go to the hotel you go to the different gifting suites you're getting free headphones and clothes and people want to give you their business cards and, and be your friend and it was it was a great experience um and it, it's an experience that I, I know a lot of nba guys look forward to and they should definitely cherish it definitely cherish it mm-hmm. and i have a quote written down here from basically once you started working with Anthony that I want to ask you about. It says, I found a lane where I thought I could excel and I pursued it. I didn't know how to get started. So I just took it upon myself to do the thing that many people fail to do. Just start. I don't know. I didn't know how to get started. So I just took it upon myself to do the thing that many people, oh, I read that twice. (laughs) I read everything everything and anything. Google became my best friend. Mm -hmm. So the first thing that I want to ask is why do you think so many people fail to start? Uh, Scared. People are scared. It's scary. It's scary. Mm -hmm the unknown is what scares people and especially like during covid everyone's nervous right now because we don't know what our new normal is the unknown and the uncertainty of what's coming is nerve-wracking um so that was that you know when i said that quote that was that's what i meant like i don't know what this is or what this is gonna be i don't know there's no like resource guide i can't really google I tried to pull information from any and everywhere. Um, and, you know, I think in entrepreneurship, not knowing, that's, what, that's what's got to, you know, fuel you to keep going. And for me, that's, that's something that, that kept me going is I didn't know, you know, how much money I was going to make. I didn't know where I was going to live. I didn't know if I was going to have insurance. I didn't know if I needed a visa. I didn't know, you know, what kind of car Anthony was going to drive. I didn't, I didn't know anything. I just knew that my good, good friend um, just got drafted and I have to help him. That's what I knew. And keeping that at the back of my mind and understanding that I was going to be entering into a new, new world with, without a college degree, right? Cause I, I didn't end up graduating uh, from any of the schools that I went to. I, I went back to being the resourceful Randy and trying to figure things out. Um, so yeah, I think a lot of people are scared because they don't know, and I, I feel people need to use that uncertainty and of of not knowing to just go and try and figure it out. There's nothing more rewarding um, than figuring it out, you know. So and then how like so you said that you found a lane where you thought you could could excel, and you did excel. I'm curious as to how you were able to do that. Was it just through being resourceful, Randy, like you said? Like how are you able to excel in this new world? Um. I think I think the biggest thing was a resourceful being resourceful. Um, I went back to what sociology taught me, you know, the, the study of people and building relationships and and psychology. Those things that I learned that you know my two years at Laurier, um, I began to realize it was a relationship based business. Who you know and 
your network is your net worth and, and all of those things. So I tapped into the people that I met. I met people at the draft. I met people in the Cavs organization that worked in sales, that worked in marketing, that, you know, worked as player development. And I would have conversations with them. I would, you know, take them for lunch and learn about their jobs and the different opportunities within the industry. I learned about agencies. I learned about, you know, marketing. I read books. I read uh, one of my first books that I read was uh, The Bald Truth by David Falk, Michael Jordan's agent. So, you know, we're watching The Last Dance now and the last two episodes were on Michael Jordan and his endorsements and David Falk talked about it and I knew about it already. So um, a lot of it was just this this curiosity to gain knowledge. And in doing that, um, I began to find a lane for myself. You know, that first year with Anthony, I had to really learn what the hell was going on um and really really going on it and at the time i had no idea so i i took that first year to just not do anything but just be with anthony and make sure that he can focus on basketball now whether he focused on basketball or not totally up to him i made sure that everything that needed to get done get got done he needed a new car we made sure we got the best car for him he needed a chef made sure that was done he needed to stretch, get a yoga instructor. We got that. Whatever he needed, that got taken care of. After that first year, um, I began to look at another thing that first year was I got to build relationships with different guys. You know, I got Anthony was playing in Cleveland. You know, Kyrie was there. Tristan was there. Deion Waiters were there. So I got to I got close to Kyrie's guy, Deion Waiters' guy, Tristan's guy, um, and just built relationships with them. Because they had, you know, three, four years experience and I would just throw questions at them. Um, so one thing that I saw was I began to build a lot of different relationships and I wanted to find a way to monetize them. So luckily enough, I went to Vegas with Anthony. We went to watch UNLV play and uh, a friend of mine was there. She was at a uh, a convention, a fashion convention. So I went to the convention and all these up and coming brands with no not large budgets but some decent budgets and i said hey you know i you know i I know a lot of nba players would you guys like to get your your products in the hands of nba players and they're like yeah for sure and i was like all right cool and they're like what do you want i'm like i just want some pairs for myself like that's it this is me being naive and not understanding the business i was doing sports marketing product placement and not realizing what i was doing i just wanted some free jeans and free items um, so I started working with a couple of brands and doing product placement, getting guys to shout out brands online, and did small deals for like $2,000, $5,000. And I'm teaching myself as I'm going, not knowing what a deck is, not knowing what a proposal is, not knowing what anything is, but just wanting to help my NBA friends brought me into a space where I could create opportunities for them and also get them paid and also get myself paid. I interned for a company called Embellish. I think for six months or six months. Yeah, six months. After three months, they called me and they said, Randy, we want you to move to LA. I'm I'm not moving to LA. What the hell? Like, (laughs) I'm still working with Anthony Bennett. Um, But they're like, we love the work that you've done. You've been able to connect us and really help build their brand. Um, So I said, no, I'll work remote. Well, you know, they worked out a a, a three-year contract. And I had a three-year contract outside of working with Anthony. So now I'm working time management, taking care of what Anthony needs, but I'm also building relationships through this brand. 
Um, and one thing that I saw, you know, Anthony got traded to Minnesota. I was in LA a lot more. I was going between Minnesota and LA, um, spending time with the brand. Jordan Clarkson just got drafted by the Lakers as well. So I was, you know, back and forth, Minnesota, LA. And um, the following year, sorry, that year, because of Embellish, you know, I got to connect with Giannis and connect Giannis with the brand. I got to connect uh, Damian Lillard to the brand, CJ McCollum to the brand, Chris Paul to the brand, Kristaps Porzingis to the brand, just building relationships through the brand. The following year, Anthony gets traded to Toronto. And once again, I have all these relationships with different players. Now, what else can I provide? What other value can I bring to the table as opposed to, um, you know, just taking care of guys by providing them and connecting them with different brands? It's like, oh, well, maybe, you know, we can host dinners and throw parties for guys. And I said, sure. Started connecting with that industry, learning what that was. Um, and, yeah, as guys came to Toronto, I began throwing parties. Um, then they launched the All-Star Weekend was coming to Toronto, and we threw a party for All-Star Weekend uh, on the Thursday. And, we were, you know, we were sold out at capacity by 12 o'clock. Um, I had to turn away Allen Iverson, who came at, like, 1.30 which hurt my heart, like, <laughs> that hurt my heart, um, but I had to do it, um, so that's when I, 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 you know, we had ESPN in the building, Bleacher Report, we had about 20 different NBA players in one party, um, and that's when I launched Rosé Management, I was like, well, I'm managing guys, I'm working with brands, and I'm hosting events, let's just start a company, and let's have everything under one brand, so. A lot of these experiences and these opportunities and these things that I've I've created or I've been a part of all came from having a will and a heart to help others by adding value. Like I started with that in mind and then I thought about money afterwards. Mm. That's interesting. And with just back to that party quickly, that how did you grow that party? Because I'm assuming that party at All-Star Weekend really provided a ton of momentum as you launched Rosé Management. How were you able to grow that party and get it to that popular? I know you made a post uh, through Baller Alert yep. and that helped gain some traction, but is there anything else that you did to help kind of grow the awareness of that party and make it as big as it was? I think Baller Alert was probably one of the, the smartest um, marketing promotion moves that I made because Baller Alert is huge in America. And we, you know, All-Star Weekend, a lot of people... All-Star Weekend for the NBA is a tourism piece where it drives a lot of people to a city. So I knew a lot of Americans were coming to Toronto for, for All-Star. And if Baller Alert posts it, then this must mean that this is the party night. This is the party for Thursday before, you know, Drake has his party or Future or Diddy or any of these people. Thursday night, this is the party. I knew Shaquille O'Neal had a party. I knew Andrew Wiggins also had a party on that Thursday. So one thing I, I did was I... I brought in different athletes. I wanted to give it a different spin. I didn't want to just have one main athlete, and that's that. So we brought in Andre Drummond, who was an all-star. Andre also DJed that party. We brought in uh, Jonas Valanciunas, who's a Toronto Raptor. Um, wasn't an all-star, but he's from place for Toronto, so that was an element. We brought in Dwight Powell, who's Canadian, and he was playing in the rookie-sophomore game, and we brought in Kelly Olynyk as well who was also a canadian so it wasn't about you know having damian lillard on our flyer it was that we were bringing different 
audiences together. And then the thing, the other thing that, you know, we did was we, you know, we gave the players their own booth and uh, drinks as a thank you for coming. And then beside each of those booths, like in between players, we would sell a, a table to a corporate sponsor. So we sold the table to Acura. We sold the table to TD Bank. We sold the table to this person, this person, this person. And what that did was it, it brought the corporates and sports together. And uh, that was the thought process there. So, I mean, I knew like we were sold out of tables. I didn't know that we were sold out of tickets and like had to close the front door. That I didn't know. So I, I think it was a, a combination of a bunch of things from, you know, the social media. I also, also had um, Lisa Ann, the porn star. She actually posted the, <laughs> she posted the flyer for me. <laughs> Um, and you know, she was a relationship. So, you know, I had Dwight speak on her podcast and in return, she posted the flyer for me. So, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, there was a lot of different things that we did cause I had no idea like what was going to happen. You know, I just wanted to use all my resources to make sure that, um, this thing got eyeballs and, um, we could see how many people attend and it, it was sold out, man. It was, it was a great time. That's crazy. So with the momentum then from that party, do you then, do you bootstrap your company or with that momentum, do you then go and get funding for Rosé Management? Oh man, you know, I've never, I've never gotten funded from Rose, for Rosé Management. Um, everything has been self-funded. Um, at that time, Rosé Management was just like a player management company. All our work was around players. Um, and, you know, I was still managing um, 2016. I was managing... Anthony Still and Thon Maker, and was still working with Jordan Clarkson. Um, another thing that we saw was um, the, the the what did we see? Oh, right. So twenty sixteen, um, we were Anthony was now with the Raptors as well, and we were doing a lot of community work. We were going back to Jane and Finch, where he was from. We did a back to school backpack giveaway. We did a, a turkey drive. We repainted one of the basketball courts. Um, after that All-Star weekend, I went to Ghana um, for the first time. And I went with my dad and just wanted to see what life was like for, you know, where my parents were from and essentially where I'm from as well. And um, I left Ghana with the with the thought of I have to do something here. Like, I got to have a presence here. I don't know what it is, but I, I, I got to do something. And uh, that's when we went on and, and launched the, the book and sneaker drive. And I think the thing about Ghana that year was, you know, I had gone back for the first time. And there was a lot of kids that weren't in school. They were, you know, selling water on the street and chips and things of that nature. And I'm looking at these kids and I looked at one kid that was walking towards our car and I started crying. And the tears were, were more of, wow, I could have been one of these kids if my parents didn't make the jump to come to, to Canada. Um, and when that happened, I, I, I just kind of had a heavy heart and, and wanted to create some kind of uh, initiative where we gave back to Toronto and also gave back to Ghana through the, the RM Book and Sneaker Drive. <laughs> And one of your other goals, correct me if I'm wrong, with Ghana is you want to help foster basketball development because I believe the country has $9 million in sports development funding, but 92% of that goes to soccer, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, still trying to really figure that out because um, obviously, you know, every everything costs money. 
Um, so right now our efforts is to ensure that, you know, when we go down, the basketball community comes together, we connect with different coaches, we sit down and we have workshops, um, sitting down, talking to coaches about training styles and mentalities and things of that nature. Um, I think another goal in Ghana is to not only to grow the sport, but also just grow the infrastructure as a whole. Um, they have uh, a little high school league and they have courts all over the country, but there's nothing that brings everyone together. Um, you know, the NBA launched the the basketball Africa league. Um, but there's something going on with the, with the government and, 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 and sports that I don't know what it is. Um, because Masai with his giants of Africa initiative, he used to go to Ghana. He doesn't go to Ghana anymore. And I don't know why. And then the basketball Africa league went to Africa and then Ghana didn't get a team. I don't know why. Um, so I think it, there's something going on politically, but um, my goal with the book and sneaker drive is to eventually get to a point where, you know, we can build schools and refurbish basketball courts and um, just give back and, you know, give kids opportunities to become the best that they can be. And I want to talk to you a little bit more about the additional not-for-profit ventures you have. Like, obviously, it's incredible to hear the work you've done with the RM Book and Sneaker Drive, but that's not where it ends for you. Also, you launched the Return to Love Community Support, Innovate Her 2.0, and you did a charity basketball game to raise climate awareness recently. Like, why is doing these things so important for you? Despite all the success you're having on the basketball side with Rosé Management, why is all of this not-for-profit so important? You know, um, Rosé Management doesn't become Rosé Management unless I have a heart to give. Um, you know, going back to my story and going back to, to help CIA bounce, you know, after I broke my foot, I wanted to just go and, and give back. I had learned quite a bit at that time about your body and stretching and wanting to just help those kids become better. Um, and I don't think that's ever stopped. Um, now I've, I've been finding ways to um, help the communities that, that mean a lot to me um, through, you know, bringing different brand partners that I work with over at Rosé Management to the community that I, that I want to help grow and, and, and uh, be better. I think, you know, philanthropy is important um, because there was a quote that uh, Martin Luther King said that um, our time on earth, our time on earth, uh, what did he say? He said, our time on earth. Okay, sorry. His line was, you know, our service to others is the rent that we pay for our time on earth. I remember reading that and it hitting me like, yeah, you're you're on earth to, to do good and grow and be successful, but you're not here for yourself. We have to help the person next to us. And, um, you know, yes, we, you know, we do a lot of work in, in a lot of different spaces and Rosé Management has grown from just being a sports management, sports marketing company. We're a full-fledged creative marketing and branding agency um, where we've been able to connect, you know, um, our athletes or our brand partners to community initiative. Um, you know, we've, we've been hired by the region of Waterloo for a project. We've been hired by the city of Brampton for a project. We've partnered with the city of Toronto on a project. We shot a commercial for Basil Box with Rondé Hollis-Jefferson of the Toronto Raptors for a project and you know they gave us the whole budget and we we did everything you know we did everything from um location to shoot to script to treatment to getting ronde there working out a deal for ronde where 
Rondé received money. There was a big community piece within that deal where they donated a bunch of meals to high school. Um, all of that comes from having a heart to give. And I don't think that that's going to change for me. I think for me, I, I feel like I feel like we all have some sort of obligation to help the next person if we can. Um, because, you know, you know, God talks about, you know, blessing others and he'll bless you times five. And I don't do it for that reason, but, um, it's important. It's really, really important for me to, to ensure that if I can help someone, I will. So that's always kind of been my mantra. And, um, yeah, like you just named off, you know, a bunch of things that we did and all of those things happened last year, Jacob from innovate her that happened last year for the first time, do your part celebrity game you know, a sports for climate uh, initiative that happened last year for the first time. And the athlete tech summit that happened last year for the first time. So um, it's really important for me to find ways to match profit with purpose. Um, and that, that's what we're doing. And that's actually a good point to bring up the athlete tech summit. Cause I want to talk about that as well. And as someone that used to go into Eventbrite and look up free workshops, networking events and seminars to attend, how cool is it to now have your own yearly annual event? Uh, it's still mind blowing to be honest. Um, cause even like, I don't know how much, how much time do we have Jacob? I've got time. I've okay. got lots of time. All right. So the athlete tech summit, um, the story there. <sighs> so 2018, I, I decided I'm not going to be managing the personal brands of athletes anymore. I moved back to Toronto. I said, I want to really grow Rose management to be more than athlete, athlete, athlete. I want to do other things. I want to grow and and create other projects. Um, so uh, the region of Waterloo contacted me about a project. They were doing the Smart City Challenge to, raise, to win a $50 million grant from the U.S. government. And I was like, wow, this is beautiful. I'd love to be a part of it. So they gave us a budget to uh, put together a digital marketing strategy to help amplify what they were doing. And, you know, we went through the project. Um, we brought in some athletes to be a part of the project and, and share via social and numbers did great. Waterloo then invited me back to Waterloo to give me a tour of different, uh, incubators and so on and so forth. So like over a four hour span, I've probably seen about 18 different startups. Uh, I went by, uh, Communitech and incubators and accelerators and just, blown away by how much innovation is happening in Waterloo. I went by the, the Stephen Hawking Perimeter Institute, the only one in Canada. I didn't even know that was in Waterloo. I went to school in Waterloo. didn't even know that was there. And um, I just wanted to learn and see what was going on. And at the end of that day, I saw that I, I began to think to myself, what, how many athletes know about what's going on in terms of tech? And at the same time, Steph and KD are, you know, in, in Silicon Valley investing into companies. And I'm like, hmm, I wonder how many guys are really looking at Canadian tech. Um, so I began um, researching into what was happening in Canadian tech. And I, I literally went on Google, typed in tech, technology in Toronto. And Tech Toronto came up. So right up on Tech Toronto and seeing that they had these biweekly events. and brought three, 400 people together in all types of tech. And I was like, you know what? I need to sign up for this. So I signed up for it, um, got a membership for Tech Toronto, paid $50. Um, 
Um, then I saw that they had subdivisions. They had a marketing TO, they had a sales, a travel. I was like, wow, this is great. I began going to the marketing TO. Marketing TO, we began to see, you know, a bunch of different innovative ways to do marketing using technology and so on and so forth. Um, I think after I I got that Tech Toronto membership, I want to say two weeks later or a week later, Steph Curry invests into Snap Travel. So I see that and I'm like, huh? Steph Curry, you live in Golden State. How the hell do you know about a Toronto-based company? And I'm like, okay, something's going on and I, and I don't know what it is. So I, I took the time to look into athlete entrepreneurship a little bit more and um, you know, KD launched 35 Ventures. Steph Curry has his media company. LeBron's doing this, this, that, and the fourth. And I'm like, what the hell? Um, then I literally sat there and I was like, why don't we host a conference where athletes connect with Canadian technology? And that's when I got the name, Athlete Technology Summit. So this is like November, December 2018. But once again, I still know nothing about tech. Like absolutely nothing. I signed up for Tech Toronto. Started going to some of its um, their events, and I begin to identify a little bit about tech. But I want what I wanted to go to Tech Toronto. I wanted to find out who ran it, who owned it, um, and I saw Alex Goldlist. So he was walking in the hallway, and I stopped him. I introduced myself. I'm Randy Osei, an entrepreneur. I'm I'm thinking of hosting a technology summit. Would you guys like to be partners? He's like, Well, what would you need from us? I'm like, Honestly, at this point. I just need to be able to use your logo with your permission. He's like, that's it? And I said, yeah, for now. He goes, okay, cool. So I then get my 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 membership fee waived. Um, and then we become community partners at Tech Toronto. As we become community partners, one thing that I see is um, they're always asking me to post about Tech Toronto, getting people to join and sign up and so on and so forth. Um, but they were then allowing me to um, use any speakers that they have um, for my conference. So I'm like, all right, cool. Like, okay, how do I put this world together? I know Google's in Canada. I know Microsoft's in Canada. Uh, just, just really trying to figure out how to do this. So I'm looking for brand partners, talking to athletes, just really, you know, going through the process, reading up on tech as much as I can. You know, I knew some players that were on the Warriors. Like, you know, try to get a conversation with Andre Iguodala. Couldn't make that happen. Um, try to get a conversation with KD and uh, Steph Curry's manager, who I knew, and trying, like, just trying and trying and trying and trying and trying and trying and trying. And uh, I, uh, I began to, you know, connect on LinkedIn with a bunch of different people and build relationships on LinkedIn and. Uh, Trevor Booker, who I knew, was like, hey, you should connect with uh, my young boy. He used to intern with us, Swish. I'm like, well, who the hell is Swish? He's like, oh, he's like 18 or 19, but he's a genius. I'm like, all right, cool. So I meet Swish in like January. And we sit down. Um, and I, I think he was hungover, to be honest with you, because he didn't have a lot of energy. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't have a lot of energy. Uh, I was also hungover, too. I'm not even going to lie, because I went out the night before. Um, and I stayed downtown because I knew I was meeting him. So I met him and we sat down and we chatted. We chatted, had a great conversation. He's like, yeah, I can help you with this. I can help you with that. Da, 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 da. I'll send you an email. He does not send an email like at all for a couple of months. And I was like, all right, well, back to square one. Like, I, I don't know what I'm doing. So February comes. 
and I go to the Dream Summit. Upon going to the Dream Summit, I remember a keynote speaker came on stage and gave the best keynote I've ever heard. And he talks about Canada being a great place for tech and all these people are moving here to get involved with our tech, which we think should be good, but it's actually not good. They're coming to steal our talent. They're coming to steal our technology. And he goes, as Canadians, we're so used to throwing lobs to other countries. We're not used to dunking lobs. He goes, how many people can name a Canadian car? And I was like, oh, there's, oh, wait, no. That's that's GM. That's in Oshawa, but that's American. He's like, we have the infrastructure to create our own things, but we don't create it. We allow people to come and use our resources and make their money and go back to where they came from. He's like, we need to build the Canadian dream. The Canadian dream is creating stuff here, building things here, and letting it grow across borders. And I was like, wow, you're right. I took that keynote and um, met a couple of people at that conference and wanted to continue to create relationships and one of the guys that i went to school with uh at laurier he was working at digital main street and i had sent an email to digital main street because I, I saw they had partners at roger shopify google so on and so forth and uh daryl daryl was like yeah it's me it's it's daryl from laurier and i was like really and we went up we met up for lunch this was like end of february mind you i'm, I'm trying to have this tech summit in in August. I have zero sponsors, zero athletes lined up, and I'm really just trying to figure this thing out. All I really have is the Tech Toronto logo and an idea. Um, so met with Daryl. Daryl's like, man, my friend works at IBM. We should connect with him. I was like, yeah, that'd be great. Like, I'd love to bring in IBM because, you know, the IBM Watson room. I'd love to bring in IBM to be a brand partner. I was like, all right, cool. We go to meet the guy at IBM. You know, I tell him the idea, and he absolutely loves the idea. I'm like, all right, great. This makes me happy. Um, let's look at next steps. Let's look at this. Let's look at that. And um, this took us from probably February to April. At this time, still no sponsorship. Um, but I'm like, you know what? I'm going to give myself to July 1st because I want to host this summit during Caravan Weekend. I, knew, I know there's going to be a lot of athletes here. So I was like, you know what? Let me Let me go and start confirming people. Maybe that will help. So I went and confirmed Al Harrington. Um, I went and confirmed Rashawn Williams. I went and confirmed Langston Galloway. I went and confirmed a bunch of smaller guys um, to be a part of the conference. And then I updated my deck. And our biggest sponsor for the, the summit ended up being American Express. And they only sponsored $10,000. Um, so I realized we didn't have enough money to put together the tech summit. And uh, I was talking to my business partner, Akeem, and Akeem's like, well, Randy, why don't you just charge the startups to attend? You're, you're providing them an opportunity to get investment, to get marketing opportunities with athletes. They should pay for that. And I was like, you're absolutely right. So <laughs> we came up with a little tier system to, to uh, charge startups. We figured out the numbers. We charged, um, you know, if they startups wanted to attend the, the conference, it was going to be $500. They wanted to have a table and an exhibition space. It would have been uh, $1,500. And if they wanted to present to the entire room, you only had four slots of that. That was about $5,000. Um, all in all, we were able to raise $50,000, $60,000. And um, all of that went to the summit. You know, we got our venue. We got our, our mixer space. 
Um, we paid some of our speakers. We took care of their travel, hotel, um, and really just put it together. Um, we had an article that came out the day after my birthday, and Athlete Tech Summit took off um, July 14th. We had about two weeks before the actual summit took off on August 1st, and tons of media, like so much media uh, attention we received. And, you know, we kind of rode that that media wavelength to, to put together a great two-day conference, but it was not easy at all. Um, I had to go back into my 2012-2013 bag and, and figure it out. You know, I, I always tell people, I feel like I'm going to write a book and call it Figure It Out because there's so many times where I don't know how something happened. Like I have zero idea on how things happen, but I still create it and I figure it out. So um, yeah, that's how the Tech Summit was built and, 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 and grew and um, hosted a beautiful two-day conference, uh, 450 attendees, 16 pro athletes, 25 investors, Sorry, 25 startups, about 40 investors um, and other stakeholders in the tech community. Um, and to give you context, you know, the, the, the Steph KD conference that was happening in San Fran with Bloomberg every year, you know, the most athletes they had attend was seven. And we had 16 in our first year. So um, that made me really happy um, because I, I knew I was onto something. And. Uh, since the conference, we've been hosting private dinners uh, for athletes when they came to town. We've had two or three different dinners. Um, you know, some of the startups that were at the summit or connected with us, we've brought in them to the MBPA to to introduce their technology to the MBPA. So one of those companies was Instage VR, which is a VR company that helps people with public speaking and through one of our dinners that we hosted, Instage came presented at the dinner. And um, one of the athletes, I believe, asked, can you use this for media training? That created a whole new conversation. I took that idea, pitched it to the MVPA, and I said, hey, this could be a great platform to teach players, especially the international players, about the media and how to deal with the media and how to answer questions and so on and so forth. So we were working on that in February um, of this year, and uh, COVID hit and has slowed down a lot of things. But the tech summit has grown from, you know, just that two day conference to uh, a, a list of different things. You know, now we have the, the Instagram live series every Tuesday evening at 6 p.m. where um, we're, we're bringing athletes in to, to speak about entrepreneurship, speak about quarantining, speak about the last dance, speak about culture, speak about philanthropy, like speak about things other than man, you dropped 20 points per game. Like, what was that like? No, nah, like, let's have a real conversation about your life you know what are you what do you aspire to be you know why did you launch this foundation um talk about dealing with this injury how did you stay motivated how did you stay hungry how did you keep things going um so um creating things is, is something that i take pride of take pride in and you know uh adding value to different things is is really if you look at everything that i've done it was because i was trying to add value and the tech summit adding value for athletes and the startup community here in Toronto. Um, innovate her adding value for female entrepreneurs. The do your part celebrity game adding value for the city of Brampton, um, and also adding value for our environment and our youth to understand that um, there's a lot of different ways you can reduce your carbon footprint and making sure that we're we're, we're 
we're we're focused on the the steps to to climate action. The story that the tech summit is is awesome, and I I think the big takeaway for me there is is just figure it out. Like at the end of the day, like so many people don't actually know what they're doing, but they figure it out. And one thing when it comes to live events, in particular, because I have a background in live events. What are some of those hiccups on the day, on one of those two days of the actual event itself, where there was things you had to overcome and figure out kind of in real time as it was happening during the event? Because no event ever runs perfectly. What are some hiccups you had to overcome on the day of the event? Man, I forgot to buy bottled water. Um, <laughs> coffee. I don't drink coffee, so I don't think about coffee. But a lot of people live off coffee. Um, so there's no coffee. Um, you know, making sure... You know, one thing that I that I did with the event that I wish I, I, I would have done a better job of was making more time for people to network. I left an hour, which was lunch and networking time. And then other than that, it was just um, speaker, 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 next speaker, 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 speaker. Like I, I, I should have, you know, broken it down where speaker comes on stage 20 minutes, 15 minute break let's go let's go you know let's go build relationships and network and continue to continue to chat um so that was one thing i wish i wish i could have changed but um other than that you know in terms of of planning and day of things that needed to be changed i think coffee was a big thing <laughs> um two we had an app for the event um and the app stopped working uh for a little bit so that that was a little bit of a headache but other than that i think i think things went really really well that's good and i've actually and i've one checking out some of those the tech summits unplugged and i actually learned that jordan clarkson is a brampton boy which i didn't know before that <laughs> um, uh, but speaking of instagram i wanted to ask you about your personal instagram you're sitting at 14 almost 14 and a half thousand followers how did you grow that account to that size um my instagram has grown i think simply due to the the fact that i've I've made it authentic to Randy. Although, you know, we work with a lot of athletes or, you know, we get to travel and be part of different things. My Instagram is me. All of it is me. Um, the things that I'm proud of, the things that I'm proud to be a part of. Um, from my goddaughter, who's, you know, three years old and uh, full of life. You know, she she motivates me and challenges me at the age of three and she doesn't even know it. Um, you know, I love to share my work on Instagram. Not so much about me, but my work. I want my work to 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 speak. I want I want people to see my work and be like, oh wow, that was that must have been Randy, right? Uh, not so much about me and and posting selfies or my fit. Sometimes I do throw on some fire fit, but uh, I I do like to make my my Instagram about my work and ensuring that my work is seen and and heard and felt. Um, I think, I think um, that is how I've, I've built it. Um, and I'm sure if you, if you go look, you'll see a lot of athletes follow me and tag me and stuff and so on and so forth. But I think those three things um, have what made my Instagram, you know, where it is today. Like I don't have a ton of followers, you know, 14 K is not a lot, but that's still a good audience to connect with. Um, I have a lot of, you know, entrepreneurs that follow me and DM me, ask me questions, a lot of athletes, um, a lot of people in entertainment as well. Um, and for me, social media is just a, a place to connect with people. I don't really use it to, to, you know, talk to girls cause one, I'm shy. So, you know, if I DM a girl and she doesn't answer or tells me to buzz off, my, my pride will take a, her, a hit. 
um, yeah, I, I use it to really connect with people, share work, um, and make sure it's authentic to me. There's one post on your Instagram that I was curious about, and I want to know the story behind the first post on your Instagram right now, which is a screenshot of a fake FaceTime between you and Beyonce. Who said that was fake? Maybe it's not fake then. Maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> no, it's fake. It's fake. It's fake. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I was, where was I? I think I was flying back from Montreal or something, and the plane was taking forever to take off. And... I, I don't know. I just took a screenshot and oh, I sent it to Dylan Ennis because I saw Dylan Ennis do it. And uh, yeah, it's just, it's, that was that's me though. That's me just joking around and you know making jokes. And people are like, oh, like oh, who do you think you are? You think you talk to Beyonce? Like, no, I'm, I'm making a joke. Uh, I said, I think the caption was like, Bay hates when some. I don't remember what did the caption say. Can you see it? No, I can't even remember. I just wrote it down. Oh, okay. I just wrote down the, the photo itself. I didn't write down the caption. Yeah, no, I'm just like I'm. I'm a, I'm a fun guy. I like to. Uh, I hate to say that. Made me think of Kawhi, but I'm actually, um, you know, laugh. I laugh a lot. So if you know me, like I joke around a lot and make jokes. And um, my Instagram is, is another place that I like to share those things. You know, um, there like since COVID has hit, there was this don't rush challenge where people that are at home, you know, are in their house clothes. They'll come and come to the camera and take their brush and wave it in front of the camera. And by the time they move the camera, they're like swagged out and they're dripped out in new clothes. So I made fun of it. I I played the song in the background. I took my hand sanitizer in my hand and I put it in the camera. And as the camera came off, my clothes stayed the same, but I just I just danced. And people <laughs> laughed at that. And you know, for me it's 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 I Instagram is a place for fun. Um it's a place for information, but you know, I use my Instagram for, for fun and, you know, to show the personality and uh, just engage with people, really. You know, I, I don't know if you've seen, I, I did like a, a fake NBA draft vlog series on my Instagram where I made fun of NBA players that were getting ready for the draft. I don't think, I I don't know if I saw that actually. Yeah, yeah, it's there. Go watch it. It's a three, it's a three part, three part. The three part. Yeah, so the first one, I think, just shows me me working out with a trainer and we're going through things and the last clip of that video he throws a lob and i take off like i'm gonna dunk it mind you i can't dunk but the angle that we shoot it from it looks like i'm gonna like tear off the rim and then it ends with to be continued and i'm the the funny thing is uh jacob i'm, I'm doing this because i want to practice how to tell a story right if I'm able to shoot a commercial for basil box well before i get to to you know what we did and 2019 with basil box i need practice this isn't my field right well, i don't know how this these things work just try it try it out figure it out and um i shared it and people loved it part two was um a video with me my agent and my trainer and i'm announcing that i'm going to the nba draft and i said you know i'm 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 i'm, I'm retiring from you know local runs and la fitnesses across toronto put my name in the 2019 NBA draft or 2018 NBA draft, whatever year it was, people laughed. And then the last video um, is another workout with me and my trainer, but then they interview my trainer. And then my trainer is like, yeah, man, he's got handles like Chris Paul, turnaway jumper like Kobe. He's strong like LeBron. Like, but I'm just having fun with it, but I'm actually practicing for the future. And at the time, I don't know that, but this is something that, you know, I found cool. And I wanted to try it. 
um i don't know if you saw it. like i have a youtube page as well um i used to have a, a vlog series called rose tv we put up 15 13 or 15 episodes one episode is with kemba walker we go to his basketball camp we talk to him i think he just had surgery that summer talk to him about you know the outlook of next season and so on and so forth like i had to shoot everything then edit it then make sure I'm telling the story, I'm asking the right questions. I'm practicing, but I'm trying something new, but I'm practicing. Um, so we came out with 13 episodes. You know, we did an episode like with Jordan Clarkson, Nick Stauskis, a couple other guys. We did a, a, a workout video with CJ McCollum. Like, if you go watch it now, I mean, it's poor. Like, the quality is poor. But <laughs> I did it, and I got, I think I got, one of the videos I have, like, 25,000 views. Like, the like, for me, one thing is to, if it sounds like a good idea and it's not going to hurt nobody and I could try something that people might like, I'm going to do it. And that's something you'll see. So please, Jacob, go go take a look at, at some of those episodes and let me know what you think. I actually went back and I, this is perfect that you brought that up because I was going to bring up the Kemba Walker vlog because I actually went back and I watched that episode of Rose TV. So it's cool. You just kind of perfectly segued into the next point that I had. But the point, the next point I have is of all your success, I saw a quote about you and this is probably the most, the biggest accomplishment you've had. How does it feel to have more numbers, more numbers of NBA players than a Kardashian? <laughs> um, you know what? I. It, it it comes with a lot of responsibility, you know, um, these relationships with these athletes, I, ha I have to protect them. I have to ensure that, you know, they can, they can trust me. You know, I, I see a lot of things that, you know, not everyone gets to see. I'm, I'm part of a lot of conversations that people aren't a part of. And um, I'm still a regular person like everybody else. I just know some people as friends that have a lot of money. That's how I look at it. Um, and I always want, you know, a lot of the athletes that I know or work with that, you know, they can trust me and, you know, trust my intentions and trust the work and trust the projects and just trust that I'm someone that you can call on if you need help. I'm someone that you could, you know, um, connect with if, if you need an idea, um, you know, from running basketball camp for basketball players to getting them a part of partnership deals and, um, sponsorship and so on and so forth. I don't get those opportunities unless an athlete trusts me. So I, I respect that and I'm thankful for it. Um, and uh, I, I have to make sure that it's protected. Mm -hmm. And how often do you reflect on your journey to the point where you are today, where you have all these numbers to where you've built Rose, you've done all these things in the non-for-profit sector, you've helped out things in Ghana, you've launched the Athlete Tech Summit. How often do you reflect on everything that you've done to that kid in high school that's still working on McDonald's and just figuring it out as you went along? To be honest, I, I well, because of COVID, a lot. Before that, not really. Um, I'm, I always have my hand in something. I'm always trying to create something new. Um, so not, not very often, um, it, as much as, you know, you say, you say we've done a lot. I feel like I haven't done enough. I feel like I haven't done enough. I feel like I haven't, um, put other people in position to succeed. Now I've done it. I want to do more. I want to, I want to be old, you know, I want to be one of those old guys and like Randy, oh, that's, he's the godfather. I remember he, you know, he, he connected me with this person and my life went this way. Like. Those are the stories I want to 
talk about, that I was able to help someone become something that they wanted to become. Because you know what? Growing up, when you know I was going through what I was going through, I had no one to ask. I had no one to like, hey, how does this work? Um, there was no like, there was no Randy Rose out there for me to ask. You know, I had to ask different people and then create something of my own. But I didn't have a a go to this or a go to that. Um, so I, I I'm at a point now where I'm reflecting a lot more and you know taking the time to make sure that. Um, I'm grateful and, uh, I'm, I'm enjoying different moments, you know, um, having to work with a lot of NBA guys and living, living, you know, I lived in Minnesota, I lived in Cleveland, I lived in Milwaukee, I lived in New York, I lived in, um, Memphis, being in all of those places, I miss out on a lot of time at home. So, uh, super thankful for those experiences and opportunities, um, and you know, I've I've been humbled to to know that not everyone gets the chances that I get. So if I get a chance to make something better of myself, I feel like I, I gotta help someone else make better of themselves. You know, Rick Ross, you know, shout out Rick Ross, Ricky Rose, Randy Rose, you know, we're cousins. Um talks about, you know, he said a line, this was like two thousand and eight, two thousand and nine. How many people you bless is how you measure success. That's what I live by. So um, I don't know how many people I've blessed. I don't like to keep count because I'm not really competing with anybody. Um, but for me, I just got to keep going, keep going, and keep building, and keep going. Before before I get into like I ask everyone the same standard set of questions before we wrap up, before we get to that, the one other question I had for you is with hearing that and everything you want to build and you said you haven't even started yet, but one of your long-term goals or one of your goals is to be a stay-at-home dad. I was curious as to why that's <laughs> part of the part of your puzzle in terms of everything you want to achieve. Why is stay-at-home dad one of them? You know what? Everyone talks about, you know, stay-at-home moms and um I think being a stay-at-home dad, especially for especially for me, will will allow me like for one, I really love kids. So, you know, when when I have kids um, in the future, I want to spend a lot of time with my kids and make sure that they're learning the right lessons and building um, upon, you know, the successes, you know, that, you know, their parents have had. And um, that's the first thing is making sure I spend a lot of time with my kids. The second thing is it, I feel that it'll, it'll allow me to continue to work from home and do what I need to do. But I really, really want to have a huge presence in my kids' lives. Um, still, I'm still going to be working just be working from home with my kids uh, and ensuring that, uh, yeah, you know, I, I grow little monsters that kind of have that drive and that willingness to, to be more and do more in whatever they choose that, to do. That's awesome. I love that. I just saw that. I can't remember where I saw that, but I wanted to ask you about wanting to be a stay at home dad. I think that's cool. Yeah. But before we wrap up, like I said, I ask everyone the same standard set of questions. I used to call it rapid fire, but some people say these aren't rapid fire type questions. So then I started calling it Q&A, but then I realized it's a podcast. The entire thing is a Q&A. So I don't have a name for this section, but the first question is you're going to dinner. You can take three people. It can be anybody that are alive. Who do you take to dinner? The dinner, uh, Will Smith, um, Will Smith, Serena Williams. Mm, yeah. It was Kobe. Mm -hmm. Rest in peace, Kobe. Funny enough. I was working, so after the tech summit, sorry. That's okay. The following, like this year, I was working on bringing Kobe to Toronto. I had a call with his his booking agents in November um, to find out how much he costs and 
you know, I was trying to build a weekend in Toronto for Kobe and, you know, bring Gianna down and have his daughter's team play against our, you know, girls basketball teams here. Um, you know, do a little book signing and have him speak at the conference. Um, but, you know, Kobe definitely uh, was somebody that I was pushing for, pushing for, pushing mm-hmm. for, pushing for. Um, the third person that I would invite to dinner. Oh, man. I, I want to say Barack Obama. Okay. Uh, I say Barack, yeah. Mm-hmm. The next question is what's some of the best advice you've ever gotten? Best advice. Whew. Mm, I've gotten a lot of it, uh, a lot of advice. The best? I don't know. That's a tough question. Mm-hmm. We can skip it for now if you want. Yeah, let's go back to it. Okay. Next one. What's one thing about you people wouldn't expect? Mm, damn. Another tough question. <laughs> yeah, and with the the five toughest ones usually. Yeah. People um whew. I love to sing. Okay. I'm not good at it, but I'll do it anyway. <laughs> Fair. So the next so instead of best advice, let's frame it this way. What's one thing that's so important everybody needs to know? About me or just in life? In life. You need to know everyone needs to know that your life is what you make of it. And we're all going to face challenges, no matter where you live, how much money you make, what car you drive, everyone faces challenges and how you deal with it and how you, how you, how you look at problems and, you know, what thought process you go through when you see a problem, do you see solutions or do you see like headaches? Do you see, like, what do you see when you see when something's not right? you look to find ways to fix it do you like what do you what do you see um, i think i gave you like three answers there but yeah that's okay that are super important i think for the final question i like to flip the script a little bit so instead of me asking the question it's you asking the question but it's not to me so pretend you have this crystal ball and you can ask a crystal this crystal ball any question and you will get the answer what is one question you want to know the answer to why is kobe dead why okay mm-hmm. why I don't understand. He was he was just getting into the best part of his best parts of his of his life. Yeah. He was you know, he was he was going to grow the game of the WNBA through Gianna. He was building books and telling stories and giving different people platforms. He was giving back um exponentially like uh, why? I, I still don't understand it. Mm-hmm. No, the earth definitely stood still that day. Oh man. Yeah. There's there's days now that it still stays still. Yeah, I haven't watched the next step, the most recent episodes of The Last Dance, but I know Kobe's in those ones. So I think those ones are going to be tough. Oh, I mean, he's he's in it for like ten minutes. Okay, um, he does say one thing um, that you know he he hates when people compare him to Mike because everything that he does he got from Mike, so there shouldn't be no comparison. Mm-hmm. And like. Those are the last words that he gives. And like he's gone. <laughs> and mm-hmm. that's the last word he says on, on the last dance. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. That is uh still 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 scratches my head and um still leaves me a little when I think about it, it just it just doesn't make sense. <laughs> still no. doesn't make sense. No, it really doesn't. Mm-hmm. But um I do want to thank you for taking the time to be on this podcast and sharing your story. I want to give you the floor. Uh, where can the people find you, plug anything and everything that you got right now? 
uh, at Jacob Kelly. No, I'm playing. Um, <laughs> at Randy Rose uh, on Instagram. So at Randy R O Z A A Y. Um, Rose Management is R O Z A A Y M G M T dot com. It's our website. That's also the Rose Management Instagram. You could see there uh, anything that we're involved with. We recently just uh, signed Roy Woods to a esports deal with Caffeine. Coming together great. Um, uh, Return the Love cs.com is where you could find uh, our nonprofit and see a lot of our work there. Um, Randy Ose on LinkedIn. Uh, Randy Rose again on, on Twitter. And yeah, I'm, 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 I'm open to connecting and, and building with, with people that you know want to have conversations um i'm a i'm a big i'm a big person that believes in helping so if anyone has any questions or wants to connect about a conversation that they heard here or wants some more insight um you know just find time within my schedule and we'll make time and get things done Awesome. Well, I want to thank you once again for taking time to be in this podcast. And I want to thank everybody for listening. Whether you've listened the entire way through and you listen to bits and pieces, I really appreciate you taking time to check this out. Everyone do me a big favor. Go and follow Randy. Go and follow Rose Management. I'll make sure everything's linked in the show notes down below. And if you'd like to follow me, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram and at the Jacob Kelly. Feel free to come and say hello. And you can find the podcast on Instagram at my social life podcast or on YouTube by searching on my social life. Thank you once again for listening, everybody. We'll talk soon. Mm-hmm.